Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for today's Appraisal Buzzcast. I'm Jim Morrison. Today, we have Joan Trice, founder and CEO of Altera Group, and Ed Pinto, Senior Fellow and Director of, a of the AEI Housing Center. Today, we'll be discussing something that we all, it's a hot-button topic, is the market. I know there's a lot of questions about it, so we went out to the best to get his insight. Joan, I'll hand it over to you. Yes, we did reach out to the best. Uh, good morning, Dr. Pinto. How are you today? I'm doing just great, Joan. Thank you. And we're going to talk. Oh, we're going to talk about our favorite topic. And I feel sorry for your bride who uh, has to put up with us talking about housing all the time. But she's well, we do have we do have those certain rules, you know. Yeah, we we do we do we do. All right. Well, let's dive right in. So, and fortunately, you, no rules here because this is. A group that that's all they eat, drink, and sleep housing. That this is true. So that's what exactly what we're going to talk about. And you have no problem correcting me when I use improper terms. So one of those is I always talk about bubbles, and you do a Will Smith smack <laughs> uh, when I do that. Uh -oh. And um, so why do you object to that term? I object to that term because it has a psychological component to it by definition, irrational exuberance, whatever. And, and that I have a hard time figuring out uh, whether we're in a bubble or not in a bubble. And lots of times you may not know it until after the fact. I do know a boom when I see one. And a boom is prices, house prices are going up faster than fundamentals. And fundamentals are rents and incomes and the cost of construction. And we've certainly been in a boom. We started calling this latest boom, which began in January 2012. We started talking about it at our briefings in 2013 uh, because we could see that house prices were going up faster than just something as simple as inflation. And therefore, we were in a boom, and that boom has continued. It accelerated tremendously. It was already going up quite uh, substantially, but it accelerated tremendously. Um, with the pandemic, a couple of months after the pandemic took hold in March of 2020, as interest rates were dropped to their literally record low of under 3% for a mortgage, house prices soared uh, even more. But again, we had already been in a boom for over eight years at that point. Wow. So how long has this boom been going on now? It's Ten and a half years. That's and, quite, is that the longest boom? Well, it's, it's just about tied, depending on when you start the one, uh, the granddaddy of booms, which was, it started in 97, 98 and ended in 06, 07, depending on which index you use. And that boom, you know, is, is roughly the same length as this one. However, I think ultimately the house price increases percentage wise for this boom will, will eclipse what happened during the last boom. There is a, a very different result though, and we might as well get this out of the way early, the credit risk that was embedded in, in the driver of the boom that precipitated the great financial crisis was a tremendous, something we'd never seen before. Uh, it had started in the 90s and built and built and built until it finally reached a crescendo in, in 06 and 07, and then the foreclosures started. Um, and uh, we measure the credit risk that accumulated. We we have a very good study that the, the housing center 
did in conjunction with the FHFA and Steve Ulner uh, from the Housing Center and FHFA, Will Larson, uh, did this 25 years of mortgage history going back to about 1994 through 2008. And the stressed mortgage default rate, the which in the case of 06 and 07, is the actual mortgage default rate. Uh, that's like saying uh, 150 mile an hour hurricane. Well, if you're actually in a 150 mile an hour hurricane, it is exactly that. Well, the 2006 and 2007, as people will remember, was the middle of the hurricane. It was, was the hurricane. And the cumulative default rate that ensued for those two years, uh, 06 and 07, ended up coming in at 39%, which means that 39 out of every 100 loans that originated in those two years ended up you know, going to default. We, do, we use a stress mortgage default rate to track current originations. And today, that level uh, for 2022, let's say, is around 13% or about a third as much. And so the, the math is quite simple. If uh, we had the same uh, stress mortgage default rate we had in 06, 07, 39%, what precipitated that? A 25% drop in house prices, roughly, was the cumulative price drop in the United States uh, in that time period. That was uh, a 39% default rate. If, on the other hand, we were to have, and I'm not projecting or, or suggesting we would, Another 25% drop this time, one would only expect to see 13% default rate, uh, which is about a third as much. Because and why? Because the credit risk that's embedded in the loans that have been originated recently is one third the current credit risk as before. And we actually have evidence that the, the stress mortgage default rate uh, a methodology that we developed uh, coming out of the, the great financial crisis. Uh, actually works because we tested it against the pandemic financial event or crisis event. And um, it was very predictive of the distribution of risk uh, based only on uh, data at loan origination. Uh, That's the key is that you're not looking at anything after the fact other than whether it went into default. Uh, You're only using data to risk rate it uh, based on known facts at origination. And uh, so we, we're, we're pretty confident that the, the risk level is, again, about a third as much. And that would, in and of itself, with a 25% price uh, correction, uh, lead to a much lower level. But we don't think there would be a 25% price correction. There's a lot of different people predicting various things, ranging from Robert Schiller you know, to everyone else. And my own prediction is that for year-end 2022, we're going to still have a positive year-over-year house price increase of six percent, uh, four to six percent. Actually, wow, that's that's. Well, part of that is the first seven months of the year are already in the bag. Yeah, that's true. So, that's so when true. you do year over year, you've yeah. already got seven months in the bag, and those seven months have all been positive. Uh, in fact, they're about a positive ten percent over that seven months, ten percentage point, um, and therefore. To, to get to six, you actually have to have a 4% reduction in right. August, September, October, November, December. And that's our projection is that there's going to be- doesn't sound so crazy when you yes. say it like that. Well, hey, yeah. Ed, let's do this. Let's take a quick break for a commercial message, and we'll be right back. Our first sponsor today is Cuba Casa, and they've got some exciting product news. They announced at the beginning of August that free floor plans are now available across the nation. The best part- It only takes five minutes at the property to complete a scan with no disto or measuring needed. In addition to the free version of the floor plans now offered across the U.S., 
Cubicasa is also making available ANSI aligned digital GLA product for as low as $15 per scan, as well as the expanded options for you to configure the product to best meet your needs. To find out more or to get your free scans, visit cubicasa.com. Ed, my apologies. Before we took the break, I interrupted your thought mid mid sentence. Uh, you were wrapping up sort of what's going on uh, with your projections uh, through the balance of the year. Yes. Uh, again, my projection through uh, for year over year through uh, December of this year or in, at December of this year is four to six percent positive. But for 2023, December year over year, uh, it's five percent negative nationally. And these are constant quality house price appreciation numbers, which means we're looking at the same houses uh, and we're going through a process much like the Case-Shiller process and the FHFA constant quality process. That's fascinating. So big difference next year than what you're seeing uh, this year. What are the tells that you look at in the market? What are the canaries in the coal mine that make you think we're about to take that dip? Well, we have a house price appreciation index that we publish monthly, and it it allows us to, I call it, slice the salami much more thinly than other indices. So uh, let's talk about the granddaddy of all the indices, Kay Schiller. I've been following Kay Schiller since the mid-1980s. And in August, uh, let's say uh, last month, the Kay Schiller would, will release uh, it's uh, in August, and they'll call it June, but June is actually an average of April, May, and June, which means it's actually May. And so there's a pretty big lag. And by the way, uh, that May are loans that are transactions where the purchase contract had been entered into in March because there's a 45, 50 day lag. And so you really, when you say, oh, house prices went up, you know, case Shiller so much in June, and it's really May, you're really talking about what house prices did in March. Right. And that's that's a lot a big lag. And so we did two things. One is we created our own house price index. You might, you know, why do you need another house price index? And there was basically two reasons. A, we could come up with a much better methodology that allowed us to have less uh delay. And so when we announced in August our July results, they were actually for July. Uh, and how can we do that? Well, the answer is we use what we call a quasi-repeat sales methodology, where we use an, uh, an automated valuation for one piece of the sale uh, that we associate with each property that's sold. And then we have the sale price of the property. And when you do that over hundreds of thousands of properties that are selling, the the averages average, you know, the ups and downs average out, and you get a very good uh, result. So that so we're not, we don't have to throw out uh, very many sales. Whereas Gay Schiller, they have to be able to match a sale today or, or in that month with a sale sometime in the past, and they only can go back so far. And if there isn't a sale, then they really don't have uh, a way to um, use that data point, and so they end up having very fewer data points. That also allows us to do 60 metros every month, and Case Schiller produces 20 metros. And so we're able to look at a lot more metros, uh, including smaller ones and all the large ones, obviously. And we're also then able to slice that from month by month and show what that looks like. And so we just have 
uh, the ability to look at the data more closely. So we track all of that data month by month, and and then we look at the change month over month, and we started noticing that uh, prices appeared to be peaking. The change in June was uh, month over month over over May was 0.2%. And given that house prices had been going up at 18%, which would imply a, about an average of 1.5% a month, uh, to only go up 0.2% is a big slowdown. Uh, July ended up coming in at 0.5%, but we still think that might be a little seasonality because July tends to be uh, given when those transactions were entered into in May. And given that people want to move into the house in July, so their children go to school, start the new school in August, there's, there is a relationship, a seasonal relationship over the course of the year. And July tends to be have a little extra uh, uh, boost. And so we think prices probably peaked in July. We have additional information to, to demonstrate that. And that's our second source of data, which is the optimal blue rate lock data, which covers a very large portion of rate locks in the United States. Those rate locks are entered into days after the purchase contract are entered into. And we get that rate lock information. Well, we, we compile it weekly. And so um, for this week, let's say, uh, we're compiling last week's information. And therefore, it's only you know a few days old. And we have a algorithm that we've created that allows us to mimic what our regular house price index shows, uh, which is based on public records data, we can use the optimal blue data to create a a house price index that goes out the next two months. So when we published June uh, in July and we published July in August, we also have August and September that we can show for optimal blue. And what August and September show us is that the rate of year-over-year change is still declining. Well, as I mentioned before, if the rate of change is still declining, at some point you need negative month over month. And so we've now uh, extrapolated and say, well, August, September, October, November, December are going to need to be negative in order to uh, uh, make the data that we're seeing from Optimal Blue be mathematically correct. And so that's why we think we're going to have 4 to 6% year over year by the end of the year. And that necessitates declines in August, September, October, November, December. Okay, well, let's take another quick break and we'll be right back. Thanks, Joan. Well, our next message is from the Appraisal Institute. They have synchronous education delivered in a webinar format. AI live online education learners sync up with other online participants via web browser and live conference call. Interact with the instructor and your fellow classmates as you participate in courses that address today's hot appraisal issues and appraisal business practice topics. Enroll in an upcoming offering at appraisalinstitute.org slash synchronous education. So, Ed, uh, welcome back. And what else have you got? You're just such a font of knowledge on this topic. Obviously, we could go on for hours, but we don't have hours today. What else have you got in that macro view that might be useful to our listeners? So I mentioned that we have uh, 60 metros that we have monthly data on and month over month data. And we then can plot the month over month change on a map. And uh, what we see is that the there already are metros that are declining, some of them on a month over month basis quite substantially. San Jose 
in the month of July was down 3.9% month over month. And that was the third month in a row it was down. And so when we look at the year-to-date San Jose, we find that in the first, uh, let's see, three months, uh, the first four months of the year, San Jose was going great guns. It was up, I believe, about 10%, but it's already down almost that 10% just in three months. It's down about 7%, and so and it's going down relatively rapidly. So we expect that San Jose, rather than like the nation, which is going to be a uh, positive four to six percent. San Jose is going to be negative somewhere in the five to ten percent range uh, at the end of this year on a year-over-year basis. So that's one thing we can see. And then when we plot it on a map, we see that those declines, the ones that are already have month-over-month declines, are concentrated from Denver West. And that makes sense because those are the places that have the highest home prices, generally, with the exception of a couple areas on the East Coast. But in general, home prices are very high. Uh, in general, these places went up very rapidly in terms of home prices, and now they're the places, and they have, and they never built enough, and so we had a almost a short squeeze on those prices uh, from a fundamental perspective, and now they have to correct, and they are they are correcting as interest rates have gone up. So that's one thing we can see. The other thing that we can see is we have four price bins for our data: low, low, medium, medium, high, and high, and the high group is the what we call the control group it's the one above largely fanning freddie loan limits so they're not they're not getting all of the leverage benefit that the federal government provides on the other hand they do drink from what we call the monetary punch bowl and the monetary punch bowl has had 200 proof up until very recently and so uh the high end of the market has really taken off it used to trail the low end but for most of the pandemic it's been going up faster than the low end they've all been going up but the high end. Yeah, it's completely test. independent from, yeah. I mean, because it's most of them, or at least in our market in Sarasota, I think it's something like 73% are cash purchases. Well, cash purchases, or they're benefiting from very low interest rates and they right. have lots of, of firepower. And so, what we, when we order the last month by price tier, we see that the high price tier, uh, even though on average prices were up a half a percent in July month over month. The high price tier was already down. I don't remember exactly how much, but the better part of 1%. And the medium high was also down. And so those are the areas that are going to get impacted first. Why? Because they've lost the benefit of that monetary punch bowl. bowl. The low end of the market has two things going for it. One, it still has access to all that leverage that the government provides. But also, the way housing markets work is if, if you're looking for a house in the high category, and interest rates go up and you no longer can afford that house, you have a couple of choices. You could stay put if you're a move-up buyer. Uh, you could not buy another house or you could go down in price. Well, if you go down in price, a bunch of people are going to end up in the medium high and a bunch of people in medium high that go down in price are going to end up in the low medium and a bunch of people in the low medium are going to end up in the low. Well, the people ending up in the low are actually creating demand in the low. Now, some people exit the low because they can't afford it either. But until that part really catches up, that low keeps going. And so the low end of the market is actually still going up, but not the pace it was, but still at a relatively healthy pace. It's the high end that's really slowed down and, and has turned negative. Okay. So in closing, Ed, most of our audience are appraisers. I understand you have this index. If they wanted to apply 
some of what you're talking about in, in more of a micro view, how how would they go about um, accessing your index? So if they if they just Google you know AEI Housing Center, you know, we'll take you right to our website. We have uh, all kinds of data that we publish on the website, these indices. We have the market trends report that people have seen demonstrated from time to time. We have that website where you enter an address and it gives you a lot of information at the county and zip code and census tract level. Uh, but we have just a wealth of information. But the big change that we've made is we've started publishing this month over month data for uh, 60 metros. And that really provides a lot of insight. We also have for the same 60 metros, what the month's inventory is and what that changes month over month. That information would be hugely helpful to the appraiser in trying to analyze their market conditions. Ed? Not, not surprisingly, we see that the month's inventory for the high end of the market, as we define it, has gone up substantially. It's still historically at below historic you know, levels, which would be eight or nine months, but it's gone from two months to about four to five months, and it's rapidly ascending. Uh, the other price tiers are, are a little bit lower, and they're going up a bit more slowly, but it's that high price tier. We're already seeing that the month's inventory is starting to uh, expand substantially, which is why we're seeing the slowdown uh, in prices on a year-over-year basis and an actual negative on a month-over-month basis. Fantastic. Ed, that was amazing. I don't know what the word count is in that short podcast, but that that's impressive, Ed. So I really—I actually had three practices yesterday. I talked to my reporter friend uh, Sean Tully, who does those fortune. Yeah, one yeah. more came out last night. I haven't had a chance to send it out yet. And then I was at a dinner, uh, and there were about ten analysts at the dinner. And so you along practiced. Some, yeah, so I had practice there, and then I had a phone call with two people from Citadel, the company that moved from Chicago to Miami. And I, I had oh, yeah. a, a call with them yesterday um, in the morning. So I've actually had three uh, dry runs for this. I knew Jim would want a, a good one. So yep, yep. Well, our final message for you today is from Proxy Picks. Do you have multiple final inspections scheduled in one day? Proxy Picks 1004D product will streamline the process by eliminating manual data entry and large file transfers. With over 18 years in the real estate industry, Proxy Picks the CEO Luke Tomaszewski designed the feature with full consideration of the appraisal process to provide a solution to long-term times that could potentially delay the closing date. By utilizing the powerful technology of ProxyPix, you can upload the original 1004 MISMO file to their platform, which will automatically map the property data into the final report and assign the order to yourself or an appraiser trainee. Your final inspection will be pre-populated in the app assignment queue so that you can take photos make commentary, and sign the certificate of completion to automatically generate a 1004D straight to your device within minutes. Deliver the report to your client on site so you can travel with ease to your next inspection. Schedule a demo with ProxyPix to save time and effort during your final inspection. Sales at ProxyPix.com. Well, thank you so much, Ed. It was absolutely amazing. We appreciate your time. Thank you to our listeners and thank you to our sponsors for joining us today. If you have any comments or would like to be included in a future Buzzcast, reach out to us at comments at appraisalbuzz.com.